Oh, yeah. I don't want to interrupt the Beastie Boys. It's a Matt Mosley show. ESPN Central Texas. Another famous Matt in the area <laughs> insinuating that I'm famous. Matt Lively joining us now. And, uh, Matt, our folks have continued to text in on the CNC Collision text line. Where's Lively yeah, been? Where where has he been? Why has he not been on? Did you guys have a falling out? And I said nothing could be further from the truth. But you did have some, even though you are a young man, spry, uh, known to be a fairly athletic youngster, uh, you ran into some troubles with your shoulder and had to undergo surgery. And I feel like there's been a couple of these things that have occurred but uh, you are back on the job, and I just want to welcome you back uh, on behalf of all your viewers and, and listeners. Uh, everybody's happy to have Lively back on the air over there at Channel 6. Thank you, Mosley. Uh, from what I understand, we were the Kardashians of the Waco media sports market. Everyone wanted to know what the drama was between us, if we cheated on each other, what the deal was. But I I put those rumors to bed right now. Couldn't be further from the truth. As you said, I was recovering from shoulder surgery, six weeks on the IR. I shattered my shoulder. I had my third shoulder surgery in my lifetime at age 25. So (laughs) I am back now on the beat though. And I'll tell you what, I was getting pretty depressed in this recovery process. And doctors said there's one medication and it's for you to get back on the Matt Mosley show. So here I am listening to those doctor's orders i don't want to go down the wrong hole so i'm back spirits brighter than ever happy to be here some of the best medicine and you're talking to someone who's undergone major surgery and had to have a c1 and c2 fused and have uh, lived to talk to talk about it and uh, uh play tennis almost on a daily basis although this weather has made that a struggle what is your uh, uh matt what is the What's the prognosis on your golf game, though? You you can return to work. Have you started to at least chip a little bit, and when can you make a full swing? I can't get my arm over my belly button right now. I can't, I can't chip until March. I can't play a full round until maybe May or June. But I will say, when I do get to that point, I would love to go to Pebble Beach with you and hopefully they will allow me the same mulligan rule that they allowed you because I will need it after six months off of golf. I'm going to need as many strokes and extra swings I can get. I thought you would appreciate that story. Chris Williams got so frustrated by not being able to play golf with you that he left us and went to what I would call a smaller market, kind of a I do I I think Oklahoma City. I would call that an inferior market to uh, to the great because uh, Waco encompasses so much. Temple, Belton, into North Austin. I mean, we could claim College Station. You know, there's just so much around here. But uh, good for him. He's a Sooner. He likes that, and so he'll have a nice time. Now, Matt, um, have you were you able to kind of peek around and look at? any of this signing day. I thought that was interesting yesterday. Boy, Temple um, had the great Mikel Harrison pilot sign with the University of Houston. I had Coach Pilot, his father, on yesterday. People were excited about that. Um, any any, uh, any of these, uh, these kind of last-minute signings, whether it be the Big 12 or other places across the state, anything grab your attention yesterday? And 
are we starting to see some of these ceremonies actually happen? I mean, local TV loves a good ceremony, but some of these have pushed back till tomorrow. Robinson's going to do theirs Monday. One of, I can't remember which one it was. One of them was going to go all the way to the 8th. That might have been. We're I can't all, remember if that's true. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I know. We really are. Midway, uh, Midway went today, and I will say there's a couple of great signees. In softball, you've got Tristan Thompson. She's going to Indiana University. In football, a couple of their guys are going off, most notably Garrett Morphis. He has a preferred walk-on to go to Texas Tech to play for Joey McGuire, uh, who is a friend of your show. And certainly there's, there's some great talent in Central Texas. Connolly, my goodness, are they stacked or what? And we've got Jelani McDonald to the dismay of Curtis Quillen flipping his commitment from Oklahoma State to Texas. So he's going to get to play in the SEC by the time that he walks out of there. But National Signing Day couldn't have happened at a worse time. The winter weather really put these kids on hold, and they had to basically push these things back. So I feel bad for some of these athletes, but they'll be celebrated one way or another. And I know that because working in local television, we go to every single one of these things. And so I guarantee a camera will be at whatever school is making up a National Signing Day in the very near future. But Certainly some great talent, and as you as you mentioned, Temple, such a stacked roster with uh, Harrison Pilot going to Houston. That's going to be exciting, and he'll play with Rayshon Sanford from Parker Heights. So that's going to be a Ooh. fun combination between the two of them. Wow. You know, Baylor was Harrison Pilot's first offer. In talking to the dad, he brought that up. And Coach Aranda, back in the day, recruited the father, Chris Pilot, wow. if you can believe that. Uh, and from Lufkin, Texas, uh, he was one of the main recruiters at the University of Houston. So I don't know why the Bears, because uh, that's a great, great player. But, hey, things happen. And his dad played at U of H. You can understand the legacy thing on that. Keep your eye, by the way. I always love to uh, provide you with any information I can. This Walker Please. White um, signing will happen at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Aaron has confirmed that's going to be on 24-7 Sports whatever platform they have. Maybe that'll be like on their Twitter handle or somewhere. And that's going to be at 2 o'clock tomorrow. And he'll be committing the 2024 quarterback between Clemson, Auburn, and Baylor. And he is 6'3", and got all the measurables. Some of the same things people used to say about the two of us. All the measurables, the great height, everything involved. (laughs) The Um, whole range of motion between our joints. Yeah, weight was more of an issue with me than it was with you. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. So I I would hope Channel 6, Curtis, boy, I bet Curtis is kind of steamed about that. Although somebody, oh, Curtis will be happy. Jalen, what was Jalen's name? Jalen Peoples? Anyway, Jalen from Alito changed his mind from Air Force to Oklahoma State, and he is one of the great under-the-radar players in the state of Texas, was the number one target for Hoss Haney at Alito when they won that Class 5A state title. And he is a great player, and he at the last minute decided he was going to go to Stillwater. So I wanted to do that for Chillin' with Quillen. I thought I thought Chillin' would appreciate that. Well, thank goodness. Curtis needs that after everybody jumping off the Oklahoma State ship. I I do want to talk about Walker White for a second. Here's my question to you. So this kid, four-star QB, 
and he puts out his top three on a graphic, and it's three photos or illustrations of him, three different jerseys, but the Auburn jersey is in the middle, and the Baylor and the Clemson jerseys are off to the side. Is that him hinting? Does the graphic artist have a nod from him where he says, hey, make sure you put this one in the middle, this is where I'm leaning? Or do you think it's just all a smoke screen? I just don't know how to view these graphics anymore. All these kids are getting really artistic and illustrative on Twitter. So what do you think? Is he an Auburn commit because it's in the middle, or am I just looking into this too much? Well, I think you are overthinking it, and he could do – he could do the thing that people kind of like to do, and I don't think it's that funny, but the kids love to do it. He could reach for the Auburn cap and yep. then and then kind of kind of act like he's going to put it on and then put the Baylor ball cap on. Uh, mm. So I got to say, I, I've got mixed emotions on this. I mean, a young man, I think he's a good player. Obviously, he's coveted by some big-time schools. I don't want to reveal too much, but I've got my eye – on another 2024 quarterback for the Bears. And I don't know Whoa. if it's going to work out or not, but, I again, I don't want to root against the young man, but I, I just wanted to be honest about that. There's somebody else that I've kind of been uh, – I've, I've, I've been – and it may – Alito, keep that name in mind. Now, Matt Lively from Channel 6 joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, uh, braving through this return from surgery – and the man has uh, had more surgeries, my gosh, than than a than a pitcher, than an MLB pitcher. They just keep going in there and trying to fix this. Let's hope they got this right uh, on this last one. Now, I, I saw you kind of monitoring the Baylor Kansas game last night. Uh, Kansas made it close, and they got to within two with like a minute or two left, and that got got me a little worried. But the Bears were able to separate. Wasn't that an interesting game? Down 12-8 to eight after the first quarter, and the Bears rally and obviously get it going. This is, I don't know, I mean, this to me feels like kind of a boomer bust team. I think they're capable of beating anybody in the Big 12, but other than TCU, they're also capable of losing to anybody. Um, what kind of needs to happen, Matt, from, from your time of watching this team and, and watching these two freshmen grow up before our very eyes, Little Page Bugs, the uh, uh, and of course Bella Fontleroy, these young players. What needs to happen for this team to make some noise in March? Well, first and foremost, they need to get Asia Blackwell back. Uh, Nikki Collin has alluded to the fact that she thought she was going to have an all-SEC type player on this team. And it hasn't happened since the second or third week of the season when she went down with that injury. And we've seen her slowly kind of make a comeback. But last night she didn't have any minutes. And that game last night was really, really ugly in the first quarter. As you mentioned, just eight points from Baylor. And then at the end there, I I actually sent Curtis the highlights wrapped up and good to go when it was like a six-point lead, and I said, unless something crazy happens, let's run with these. And guess what? Something crazy happened, and that game went to the very end there. Uh, and 77-73, that's a final score that doesn't even show the full photo. Uh, that was a two-point game late there. So yeah, I just think they need Asia Blackwell back. As I mean, Little Page Bugs and Bella Fauntleroy have been as good as any two freshmen in the Big 12. That's why they almost win the Big 12 Freshman of the Week Award week after week but when you go into March Madness and you know this better than anyone 
March Madness is about experience and about players who are there for that moment, and they just haven't had that moment yet. So I don't want to say they can't do it, but you certainly don't want to have to put all the assurance of this team on those two players. I will say Sarah Andrews has been the star of this team. I mean, she's fifth in the scoring in the Big 12. She has stepped up in a big way, but they're going to need everyone's contributions, and they're going to need Asia Blackwell back to make a serious run. Yeah, and Jay Nowens, who's become a serious scorer, I mean, they've got to have consistency from her. I mean, you know, she's capable, obviously, of 16 to 17 points per game, but then she had a stretch where she didn't score for two or three games. I mean, you can't, you just can't have that. I mean, you know what? She's established that she's a really, really good scorer. Now, she can impact the game in other areas, but we'll see how that unfolds. What about the men? Uh, I, I, I like this team. I can't say that I have a great feel for this team because there's a couple things they don't do that other teams have done. They they struggle sometimes uh, mightily in transition defense. They give up too many easy buckets. I mean, I, we can't just sit here and compare every team to the national title team, but that is the standard. That is what Baylor hopes to achieve every season. And and the one-on-one defense is is – to the point now where they've had to go back to some zone, which Scott used to be fine with. And I think it's worked some, but, man, that's <clears throat> that was rough the other night. To watch them the go um, to go completely cold. I mean, this is a great, this is an elite shooting team. they got great three-point shooters. They go completely cold in the second half. They're taking bad shots. They're getting out-rebounded. They're getting out-shot, and still... They get it within one late in the game. I was asking myself, how in the world did they do that, given how poorly they played? I had the great fortune of walking on the treadmill today. It's about all I can do in my current state. And as I looked up at the screen, the Longhorn Network was replaying Texas Baylor. And so I really got to watch it all again, play after play. And it was just sloppy. One, you point out the defense. That's the major concern. They're ninth in the Big 12 right now in average points allowed per game, which is uncharacteristic of a Scott Drew team and something that's going to kill them in the Big 12 tournament if they don't figure that out quickly. I think the, the size disadvantage that they have down low when you, when you have to sub out Flo Thamba because he's got too many fouls is killer. They've got a lot of guards, but that doesn't help when you're playing a team that has height on you. Um, and then we saw down the end, I mean, one, layups were a, a huge issue against Texas for, for whatever reason. It seemed like Baylor gave away 10, 12 points by just not finishing to the basket. And then, as we kind of mentioned with the women, youth came into play in that final minute, final 30 seconds, where they could have held for the last shot, and Keontae George was just coming off a beautiful bucket, and who knows what was going through his head, and he's a young kid, but with like 16.9 seconds to throw up a three from the distance he did, it just wasn't great. But I'm happy it's happening now. I think that's how we have to look at this Baylor team. There's certainly some things to work out, and you're in that part of the season now where you've got the toughest stretch of schedule you're going to have leading into the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. This is when you want the mistakes to happen. That was a great learning moment for Keontae George. Don't shoot it there. Hold it. Look for a better look. Let some time come off the clock because that killed them. 
Uh, they had a real chance to get back and maybe win that game on Monday night, and that shot took them right out. So I guess the positive is that it's happening now and not three, four weeks from now, and maybe they'll learn from what's going on. Well, I I have a hard time telling him not to shoot because he is so clutch and he's so good, but you're right. Scott even said he should have called timeout, maybe gotten a better shot there. I hope Curtis has recovered. I, I think I saw perhaps uh, maybe he texted me about this, but his ears were still ringing from the <laughs> volume at that uh, at the Moody Center, and 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 honestly, it impacted the ESPN broadcast to the point where I think a lot of us were wondering if something was wrong with our TVs. But the truth of the matter is, Chris Budden, the the uh, the ace sideline reporter for big for uh, for ESPN, could not be heard, and. Even when we they were throw it to her for a report, it was just a quiet, garbled type message. It, to which, by the way, she responded. I I alerted ESPN. I said, "Does ESPN know we can't hear this?" And she responded and said it was a bad combination of the music being too loud and and uh, something with the mixing, the sound mixing there at the arena. Now, you as a TV guy would understand that better than I would. I don't know what the mixer has to do with anything, but, I mean, if you're going to send ESPN's, like, number one crew out there to do a game, you ought to be able to hear the sideline announcer. All right, for what it's worth, I just I just stand in front of the camera. Uh, I, the mixing is more of a radio thing, if anything. I think you would have that one unlocked. It was bad, though. I mean, the broadcast was bad. Curtis complained about it uh, the next day to me. I will say, we used to make fun of Chris Williams. He used to put in earbuds the little orange ones that you would have if you were a construction worker when we would stand in front of the band at Baylor football games. And I said, you're 27. You're just too young for this. I I want to apologize to Chris Williams. I will be wearing earbuds moving forward at all Baylor athletic games, whether it's on the road or at home. Even, even the Farrell Center, there are times when we just don't need the PA or the music that loud. Yeah. Uh, in Texas, certainly. What a, what a tough place to play, though. Props to them, even if they're going to rupture the eardrums of every fan in the building. They've made the Moody Center a very tough place to play. And Scott even said that's what he sort of hopes the Foster Pavilion will be like once they get that thing open. So there's maybe not going to be a ton of more games between Baylor and Texas down there in Austin. But for the few that are left, it's going to be a tough place to win. I don't know how good that coach is, but I like his glasses. Very intellectual, those those real round. And mine, my prescription's so strong that sometimes I can't get that perfectly round thing that he has going. But, I mean, that's a really good look that he's throwing down from, a, from an eyepiece's standpoint. I think I look like a serial killer. I have too round of a face. So if you add the glasses on top of that, I start to look a bit creepy. I do know that he's left two head coaches. He was the head coach at Fresno State, I believe, and then he left to go to UTEP, and then he was the head coach at UTEP, and he wasn't fired. He just left to come to Texas. So yeah. I don't know if that says something about his character, uh, but his glasses did look good. Yeah. And, by the way, the other guy that's an assistant, Ogden, left UTA as the head coach to come coach at Texas for Chris Beard. So two guys left head coaching jobs, and now Chris Beard is nowhere to be found uh, Matt, it's great. I just wanted to uh, – I was ready. I tried to leave you alone during your rehab, and, and that you sound good. You sound lucid, not too many pain meds or anything like that. So 
good to good to catch up with you. I appreciate you doing this. I'm sorry for all those painkiller late night calls. I, I'm glad you just stopped you stopped answering them after a while. So I'm glad we can put that all behind us. Yeah, trying to explain that to my wife why those things were happening at about two a.m. Uh, but uh, anyway, there he goes, Matt Lively, Channel Six, one of the uh, top young reporters in the state of Texas as he uh, continues to uh, do his thing and uh, now he's overcome this shoulder surgery and is back back at it with Curtis Quillen being the sports director over there Nicole Sheeran also doing excellent work